Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. We are less than a week away from the NFL Draft 2021 Draft. Of course, it's it's probably about a week away when you consider that the Seahawks aren't going to be picking the first day, but we are going to be talking draft picks with EJ Snyder. He is the co-creator of Bootleg Football, senior draft analyst for Windy City Gridiron, part of SB Nation, and the co-host of the Bears Over Beers podcast. EJ, welcome back to the show. Brandon, thanks for having me. This is this is an awesome time, and yeah, it's crunch time, clock's ticking, but uh, always love coming on, talking about Hawks draft picks. Yeah, we talked cornerbacks uh, the last time we had you on. If you go back a few months right after the Senior Bowl, it was the last time that really that we, that we focused on offense, and it was after the Senior Bowl. But, you know, we mainly talked about, especially on the offensive line, we talked about guard and center. But now that the Seahawks have picked up Gabe Jackson, you know, they, they re-signed the center from last season. I, I think center could still be a need. But based on what I'm hearing about this offensive tackle class, this is where I want to start first. I'm, I'm interested in knowing what your thoughts are on this class as a whole. The offensive tackle class is bonkers. It's so good. Like last year's class was really good. Obviously, extremely strong up high for five players up high that were excellent. There was drop off, but there was depth this year. And tackle has been one of those places where it's been a bit of a desert for a while. Like the league has been really thirsty for tackles. And if you didn't get one of the top two or three, you know, you weren't getting a starter. You were getting a developmental guy last year, kind of broke that mold a little bit. And then this year, I look at a guy like Sam Cosme out of Texas, uh, who in any other tackle class would be automatically in the conversation for top three tackles. Mm. And Sam Cosme is going to go like sixth this year or seven. I've seen him mocked in like the middle of the second round. Yeah, for sure. This is a guy that's 317 pounds, uh, tackle for Texas, incredible athlete. Not that Texas has any trouble recruiting top level athletes. 317 pounder ran a 4.7840. And his technique needs some work, but as an athlete, he is amazing. And he wins just with athletic skill, even against some very good edge rushers. Uh, but a lot of offensive line coaches are looking at this guy going, oh, yeah, give me that. I can work with that. Uh, he wins now. He's a tremendous athlete. If I clean him up, he's going to be, you know, he's got all pro potential. It's crazy. And that guy's going to go fifth or sixth. It's insane. So, so many good tackles in this class. And then the sneaky part about that is everybody focuses on the tackles and the interior offensive line class. The centers and the guards are really good, and there's a ton of them as well. So, Anywhere you want to pick up strength on your offensive line, this is the draft to do it. Well, it's been one of the focuses of the offseason for Seattle, especially with the way things kicked off with Russell Wilson and tackled. Just it makes a lot of sense to me, EJ, because Dwayne Brown, you know, he's 36 and gosh, he's played more games than Walter Jones did at left tackle on the right side. You have Brandon Shell, but he's only under contract for one more year so. Could they find a guy who at, you know, with, especially with having a pick in the second round, 56 overall, I think, you know, is there going to be a guy that uh, they can hang out there for fall to them and or maybe even trade back from because with only three picks, it's I, I just have a hard time <laughs> seeing them stay put with the second round pick because that's going to give them the most ammunition moving back from to, to try and collect some picks later on. Yeah, for sure. I think you and I both are in that boat. I would be stunned if the Hawks made three picks in this draft. Like, if that's all the picks they made, I would be 
flabbergasted. That just doesn't seem the John Schneider MO. And again, the ammunition is going to come from moving back in those higher picks. And with depth, if they have guys they like, I could see them doing it. And there are guys down the board that maybe, like you said, aren't necessarily going to start this year, could be the swing tackle this year. And then, you know, you're moving on from Dwayne Brown, Brandon Shell, they decide to resign him, give him a pay cut, like whatever. You don't know. And you're looking at an open tackle slate. And it's it's not that much different than the team I root for, the Bears. They have Charles Leno at left. They let Bobby Massey go at right. So they need a right tackle, but Leno's contract's up next year. So, you know, could they reset with two tackles out of a deep class? And it's totally possible the Hawks could do the same thing. Um, trade back. Uh, get some guys that need some polish, sit them behind those two guys for this year or make them the swing tackle, put them on the practice squad, whatever, and hope they can come out and contribute next year. It's it's not impossible in this draft. Well, let me throw three other names at you that I, I think they fall behind Cosme, but might be in that similar type of range. And that's Dante Smith of ECU, mm-hmm. Walker Little and Spencer Brown. Yeah, so Walker Little's the first rated or ranked tackle in there. Uh, this We're talking about the Stanford tackle. He's probably the best pass-setting tackle in this draft. Now, he missed last season with a knee injury. That's the question mark. Medicals are hard to come by this year in terms of information. No combine, no rechecks, limited doctor access in person. So teams are struggling to get really good health information. And Walker Little is one of those guys that, hey, how's the knee healed with a big guy you always want to know? Um, he's had plenty of time to heal it. And he's a very talented guy, but a big wild card in terms of where he's going to go because of the medical information, not because of the skill of the player. If Walker Little's healthy, he's probably, he's definitely in the top 10 conversation. Even in this class, he might be in the top seven conversation. So uh, that could be a tremendous value. Dante Smith is... Uh, one of those guys, again, if you're going to sit him for a year, he is a physical marvel. He's huge, big wingspan, tall guy, super athletic, raw, needs needs work, right? Uh, he's going to grow in power. He's still growing into his body. He's a younger guy, but he is massive and he is athletically talented. He is not a slug at all in his movement skills, but he hasn't quite put it all together yet. But the potential is there. And if they're looking for a model for a guy like that, it's a guy like Colton Miller that went to the Raiders, right? And everybody's like, what are you doing? And three years later, the light goes on for Colton Miller and everybody goes, oh, okay, that's what he can do. And Dante Smith could be a similar guy. Now, all depends on where he lands and how the coaching staff works with him. Um, And who's your third guy? Spencer Brown. Yeah, Spencer Brown is a beast. (laughs) Spencer Brown is Northern Illinois. Huge dude, 6'8". I think crazy athlete at that size, just a massive human being has all the physical talent in the world. He's kind of like Dante Smith. He's a little bit farther along than Dante Smith, but he still needs work. He needs a year of, of being the swing tackle at the best, um, probably being on a practice squad, maybe, but definitely guy, those guys don't grow on trees. Guys that are, you know, six, eight, three twenty, move like a basketball player. He hasn't quite figured it all out yet in terms of depth of pass set and where to put his hands uh, in terms of like accuracy of hand placement. But you're looking at a guy with long arms, tons of power up top, uh, great movement skills. He just doesn't really quite know where to move yet. So I'd say those two guys are in that class where they really need some polish, but they're crazy athletes. Walker Little, really good tackle. It's just a question of the knee. 
And if they get him for any kind of value, especially after trading back, that could be that could be a really good get for the Seahawks. Well, another guy, and, and maybe this transitions us more to inside, but I, I am curious to know with Brady Christensen, do you see him as a guy who can continue to play tackle at the NFL level, or do you see him moving inside? I love Brady Christensen at tackle. I think if your team plays outside zone at all, and most teams do, there are very few pure schemes where you're only outside zone. You don't play any inside zone or gap power. Everybody seems to sprinkle in a bunch of the concepts, but if your team is primarily outside zone, Brady Christensen is a match made in heaven for your team. He is a tremendous run blocker. We're talking about the BYU tackle. This is Zach Wilson's tackle. Um, I think he's going to be a really good value. He's slowly been climbing up. He was kind of like top of the fourth when the draft season started. Because well, I thought there was some concern with maybe his arm length of not there, being able to, there was, to play. There, well, um, there is. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Not every team sees this the same way. Different teams will look at Brady Christensen and some of them will be like, he's a guard. And other ones were like, he played pretty well in space as a tackle. Like he can go out and hit a target in outside zone better than just about anybody. And he's tough as nails. Like we're going to give him a shot at tackle. Um, and I think he can play tackle. I really like his value there. He's one of sort of two guys sort of deeper down the board, not that deep anymore because both of them have been sort of slowly rising that I think are uh, really underrated tackle talents. He's one. And then, Stone Forsyth, the Florida tackle, is the other one um, who has no problem with arm length and is just one of those guys when you watch. This is Kyle Trask's left tackle. Stone Forsyth is a starter in the NFL. Like, he's a starter, and somebody's going to pick him up. And originally, he was in the 200s, certainly climbed right through the 150s. I think he probably goes in the 130s, 115, maybe even as high as 120 if there's a big run on tackles. Stone Forsyth is a guy that I think teams probably have a much higher opinion of than the average sort of casual draft fan. Well, one place we haven't talked about center, and I am curious to see if this is where the Seahawks go because, yeah, they kind of addressed it by bringing back Ethan Posick for next season. They pay him $3 million, but it still, it leaves them with some room, I think, to address the spot in the draft. And I don't know if they would go here early or maybe wait until the, the neighborhood of that fourth round pick, but with kind of that in mind, you know, kind of late second round to to fourth round, what are some of the centers you could see going in that range? A bunch of them, actually. There's a couple centers that will probably go high. Those That's not probably where the Seahawks are going to concentrate their pick uh, if they stay or, or even if they trade back a little bit. But there's a really good group of centers that's sort of tucked in here, like I said, in the offensive interior offensive line class. Probably start with a guy like I really like David Moore from Grambling State. A tremendously powerful guy. Had a great senior bowl. Definitely sort of uh, popped onto some people's radar after that performance. Josh Myers from Ohio State. I've seen him in the like low 120s. I've also seen him in like the 170s. So I think he's quite talented. Better run blocker than pass blocker, but uh, played on a well, very that would fit the Seahawks mo. Yep. Plays on a very good OSU line. You know, the guard right beside him, Wyatt Davis, is going to get drafted higher than he is. Um, OSU always has some very talented linemen, but uh, he's good in his own right. I was actually uh, watching him versus Indiana last night. I was re-watching some Justin Fields, and there's definitely some plays where, where Myers catches your eye. Who else is in there? How about Kendrick Green? Kendrick Green from Illinois is really fun. Now, some people are purely guard on him. I think he can absolutely play center. He's big for a center. He's taller than most centers, 
but he's got a wrestling background. And if you say center and wrestling background, I'm in. Um, you know, that's the, that's that's the Justin Britt. That was, that was, uh, it's was a, a lot thing. of center. Although Let's he he honest. started out as a tackle, but eventually worked his way to center. Right. Found his, found his home. Uh, you know, there's a lot of centers and quite frankly, a lot of offensive linemen in general, especially guards and centers who have a wrestling background. And it has to do a lot with hand placement, grip strength and leverage. And, and that's, that's wrestling. And you trans those, those characteristics translate very well. So, you know, Trey Hill from Georgia is a, is a beast. He is a really strong dude. I'm not so sure that he's the guy you want moving to the second level or trying to, you know, lead on the sweep around the end. But in terms of staying in the middle and blowing people out of a hole, controlling the center and pass pro, uh, driving big defensive tackles into the other guards, very solid dude. And there's some fun guys later on down. Um, Drake Jackson is a guy from Kentucky who is a bit undersized. And I don't know that that really fits the Hawks mold. They like their, they like their guys a little bit bigger there, but yeah, we, um, we flirted with Joey hunt for a little while and he was very undersized for center, but yeah, Drake is one of those guys that you kind of look at him. You look at his size and you go, ah, forget it. And then you remember that Kentucky's in the sec. Yeah. And he gave up like four sacks in four years playing in Kentucky against all those defensive tackles that, you know, are first round picks coming out of Alabama and like, and you go, huh? Yeah. He can, okay. he can handle himself. Maybe, maybe the size isn't such a big deal. I should go back and watch him again. And again, uh, you know, it, there's guys, that guy, Drake, I've seen him climbing up a little bit, but that he's going to be a fourth round player, maybe a fifth round player. There's a lot of guys sprinkled throughout this class that, have the potential and the other one is uh, out of stanford uh walker little center drew dahlman is a guy that i see getting some really sort of late process love um we had brandon thorne on the show a couple of weeks ago and and about a week after that he pinged me and said dude drew dahlman can start and i was like this year or next year he's like i think he can start this year hmm. and whatever brandon says about offensive line you can take uh to the bank whatever i say about offensive line is definitely <laughs> secondary to that because that's his life, and he's extremely good at it. But I went back and watched Drew Dahlman, and I was like, all right, I can see it. Like, you know, I, I hadn't picked it up in my first pass, but um, Brandon's much more technical with what he I, – I love listening to him about offensive line because of all the detail he picks up. And and Dahlman's in there too. And I, I've seen Dahlman kind of – again, I think the league is is higher on Dahlman than certainly the average draft fan. Average draft fan might pick him at, you know, 220. Maybe, maybe he's an undrafted free agent. I think Dolman goes solidly in the middle rounds and is off the board because he's a talented player. Well, we have a few more areas on offense to hit on, but you brought up that episode with Brandon Thorne. If people really want a deep dive on offensive linemen, go back and check out that episode of Bootleg Football. As we continue on offense, we still have tight end, wide receiver, and running back. We'll hit on all those coming up next. EJ Snyder of Bootleg Football back on the show, breaking down the draft. EJ is going to be live streaming during the draft coming up, along with Brett Coleman, and that's where I'm going to be watching my draft analysis through the first round. EJ joins the show today to talk offense, and now we get to move on to weapons. But maybe we're actually going to have to hold off on using the term weapon. I've heard from some people that this is not the strongest tight end class, but... You know, you and I, we were talking before the show, EJ, that the Seahawks, they like to collect tight ends. 
they, they do go get Gerald Everett from the Rams. They bring him in. But, you know, before this offseason even started, I thought bringing in a veteran, but then also going tight end in the draft, it wouldn't shock me. I, I know they don't have a lot of picks, but, you know, depending on where this falls out, I still could see them taking another tight end. I, I know you're still big on Colby Parkinson, but mm-hmm. I, it just, yeah, it makes sense to me having a fourth guy. They, they could they could go into the season, I think, with four guys. Yeah, they have, right? They, right. they love a fully stocked tight end room, so that would not be a stretch at all. Uh, it's not a great tight end class in terms of depth, but again, there are players in there. It's not like offensive line where you can kind of pick and choose from the I'll take one out of round one, one out of round two, one out of round three with tight end. It's Kyle Pitts up top, Pat Fryermuth, who is very good, and then it drops off. Then there's a shelf. There's Brevin Jordan. Uh, you know, his tape's pretty good. His testing was terrible. He He's not a second-round player. That guy's going to go in, like, the third round. And, you know, they just sort of sprinkle in and then you really start to hit them in the fourth and fifth round. And again, it's choose your flavor. Do you want the lighter pass catching tight end that's quick? That was Gerald Everett coming out. Uh, Or do you need the big, you know, heavy handed blocking tight end? That's like Hunter Long from Boston College. I know he tested pretty well, but if you watch that guy's tape, he doesn't move very well. That would traditionally be who I would think like, hey, that's a Hawks tight end. But again, you brought this up. Look, they got a new offensive coordinator. He brings in Gerald Everett because that's an important piece in his offense. Everett is not the typical Hawks tight end in terms of build and movement skills. So that makes me think, huh, do they want another Gerald Everett understudy that they can sort of bring up and, and maybe polish up? And there are guys like that. Um, well, Kyle and Grant's- really, Jacob Hollister never really struck me as a Seahawks tight end either. But they, you know, they used him in a lot of different ways. And and so yeah, maybe Gerald Everett ends up filling that kind of role for them but Jess Motes won on Twitter he wanted me to ask you about Quentin Morris out of Bowling Green and and Morris is not a guy who's really on my radar I, I don't know what box to put him in yeah I you're not alone I've had this conversation with a bunch of draft analysts including the guy that puts together the database I use for height and weight and I was looking for him uh in tight end and I this was months ago and I, I reached out to him I was like hey you got Quentin Morris? And he was like, I got him as a wide receiver. And I was like, oh, okay. He started as a wide receiver, but he's, he's big for a wide receiver. I think he was up to 240 at his pro day. So not really a wide receiver anymore. Uh, that's a tight end to me. And Bowling Green played him in both places. He came in early in his career. They played him outside. Even as a tight end, they split him out wide. But they started to run him more in the slot and more in line later in his career. Real knack for catching the ball in space. Good athlete big guy fairly fast against lower end competition bowling green is not playing the the texases and the ohio states of the world but he's got pretty good speed and he really does have a knack for that red i'll just call it red zone catching you see a lot of his catches on the boundary in the end zone contested uh gets one foot down with a guy draped all over him you'll see him run little slant routes to the middle where he's sort of right right between two converging safeties and just kind of twists around and, and catches the ball on his way down and the refs kind of look around. No, nope, he, he got it. All right. Hands up. Uh, so scoring threat, but has some blocking chops. Uh, he's developed those, but it's more about uh, sort of the right angle um, than just a straight up power move a guy type block. But that's a lot of tight ends these days. So going to be a guy that's available later on down and could add a real pass catching element behind Everett uh, that maybe the Hawks don't have. So, well, you know, I could see them going with a guy like you're saying, that's a a guy who a score. But I I also don't know if they have like a real legit 
blocking tight end. And, and you know, maybe is Cedric Abwehi re-signed with the team? Maybe they see him playing kind of that role as an extra tackle uh, mm-hmm. that has that kind of athleticism where you just use him for a blocker. But, uh, you know, other than Will Disley, that's probably the best blocking tight end that you have on the team right now. Yeah, one guy to keep in mind, because, again, if you're picking a guy down late to be a sort of role player, fourth tight end, he better play special teams like that. That better happen. And John Bates out of Boise State was a super late add to the senior bowl. He's one of those guys that Jim Nagy called up like the night before. Actually, that might have been a wide receiver, but they called him up super late and said, hey, can you get down here? And he was like, yeah, sure, I'll come compete. So Bates isn't a guy that has a ton of receiving chops. He's a tremendous blocker, and he's one of like eight guys in this draft that has over 500 special team snaps in his college career. So this is a super experienced special teams player, and coaches love those guys. Like You have to fill that roster, guys with a ton of experience, and special teams is a lot about want to. You know, you got to have the the proper mentality for it. So a guy like John Bates, I could see him, you know, coming in and they're like, okay, you're going to come in once every eight offensive plays and you're going to destroy the guy across from you. That's going to be your, you know, your freshman menu on offense. And other than that, you're going to be a three, four space special teamer for us. And you're just going to grind downs on special teams. And I could see a guy like John Bates again, played right over at Boise state being like, I get to play for the Hawks and this is all I have to do. Yeah, let's do it especially when you're talking about where the Seahawks are drafting. If you're talking about tight end, if you're talking running back wide receiver, I think special teams, it's really going to be the key for players in the later round, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks where they, wherever they do end up accumulating picks at, I I think special teams has got to be a big consideration. So with that said, maybe we move on to wide receiver because you know, here's an area where I could see them going and, and finding, you know, like a, a quicker, shifty type guy that, that I just feel like. And DJ Reed was one of the guys they brought in from San Francisco. He's able to play. He's able to be the the punt returner, the kick returner. We saw some success with that. But now I feel like they're counting on him being starting corner. And, you know, much like with Tyler Lockett, I, I feel like he grew out of that special teams role. DJ Reed, they may see him with a starting job growing out of that role. So. I could really see Seattle going for a type of guy who can be that full-time kick returner, punt returner, but also contribute as well on uh, as, as a third wide receiving option. Yeah, for sure. And it's a fun wide receiver draft. It is if if offensive tackle is one of the deepest areas, wide receivers right up there. And again, tons of it it's not top heavy there are a ton of very talented players up high but there are going to be guys that go in the third and in the fourth and even in the fifth that are going to end up getting meaningful reps in their freshman year in the nfl and making contributions there are just so many talented guys and so many other positions like tackle that every time a tackle gets picked a wide receiver gets pushed down the board and you know not everybody's going to pick wide receiver in the first two or three rounds in fact a lot of people aren't and then they're going to come back to it in round three and round four, and you're going to see them go off consistently throughout the draft. There's tons of small shifty guys in this draft that are quick, bring punt return, kick return experience. I mean, you can start up high, but if you're talking about sort of the ultimate, like useful guy, Amari Rogers out of Clemson, like they worked him out as a running back. He killed everybody at the senior bowl with routes, just looked super polished. One of the most ready guys to sort of plug and play in the slot. They went to Clemson for the pro day. They're like, hey, you're pretty well built. Like, you want to do some running back reps? And he was like, sure. 
that's a guy that absolutely you could plug in on special teams. And I think playing with a guy like Lockett, I think his game is very similar. He would learn a lot from Tyler Lockett, and that would be a very good thing. Do you think um, Rodgers fits more like that Golden Tate type mold? He can. I don't think that's a bad comp. I think he's, um, well, Golden Tate was a really good athlete too. Um, Rodgers is a little bit more compact physically than Tate, but I could see that for sure. He's a guy you can move all over the offense. I wouldn't play him outside a ton because he's not super tall, but again, great athlete. He can take some reps there. Definitely a slot receiver either side. A guy that you could motion through the backfield with all the tap pass, jet sweep. Like that's all well within his roundhouse as well. And then if you want him to go back and return kicks, he can do that too. So a lot of other little fast guys, Jalen Darden from North Texas is a load of fun, mm. uh, much smaller, uh, much faster player, uh, very shifty, just incredibly good at moving in space. I've got a couple of still shots that I have on my desktop of guys surrounding him at the 10 and you send them to people and you're like, so what do you think happened on that play? And they're like, oh, he got creamed. And you're like, no, he scored and he didn't get touched. <laughs> and there was two in the same game, like two quarters apart where it was like, no way he can't. And he did it both times and neither time did he get touched. So Jalen Darden is, is going to go pretty high. I think people have come around to that, but he's also tremendous in the return game. Really? Even then, for a, a North Texas guy, he, he makes his way up the board, huh? He the, the NFL will find you. Yeah. It does not matter where you play. They, if I, you know, we've seen guys drafted from William and Mary, right? It, it doesn't matter wherever you go. And a lot of these guys, especially with the new transfer rules, so many of these guys, like I, the first three or four tight ends I did all had two schools and one of them had three. It's like the guy started at Rutgers, went to Florida and ended up at Arkansas or whatever. Like it doesn't matter where you play. They will find you. Um, well, I suppose and, I mean, Cooper Cup, I mean, that's a, a good example. Cooper's for, ama- uh, yeah, no. Cooper's amazing. And a guy that reminds me now that you say that a little bit of Cooper Cup is Cade Johnson from South Dakota State. Ah, we talked about him at the, at yep, the senior SDSU. Bowl. And I, I talked about him because he won with routes at the Senior Bowl, and I was really impressed with that. I and, saw somebody on Twitter who posted, I think, what, like four screenshots of Kate Johnson uh, <laughs> catching the pass. And in all four screenshots, the guy is on the ground that's covering him. Yeah, he is. He won with routes at the Senior Bowl. And that's what I think really kind of brought him to the forefront of everybody's consciousness. I went back and watched his tape two nights ago. Because I was somebody had said something about special teams, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I saw the note that he was a kick returner, punt returner." And I was like, "Huh? No, he scored a couple times. He's tremendously good as a kick returner." But the thing, even going back in these tapes, was he's faster than I remember, and it's not just fast against guys that that SDSU played against because they played against like North Dakota State, and North Dakota State is Trey Lance and Dylan Raddins, and you know, at North Dakota State is sort of the <laughs> the budget powerhouse of the FCS, right? Those are, they they have a lot of athletes that go on to play in the NFL. These are not second rate players, right? And he looks really fast against them. He looked pretty fast against the guys at the senior bowl. These are the top players in the nation. You go back and look at the tape. He's got a lot of speed. You put a guy that runs really good routes, has very good hands and has that much speed versatility with kick return, punt return. Kate Johnson's going to get drafted before a lot of people think. He's going to get drafted up 115, 120. It's going to go off the board. There's going to be some big names from Florida, from Florida State, 
you know, hanging around on the board and they're going to be like, Hey, John, South Dakota, what? And wait till he gets to the league. Like that guy's going to play. You put Cade Johnson and Amari Rogers up there. The thing that concerns me the most is that the Seahawks don't tend to draft guys who aren't running four fours. And I think Cade was right on the edge and mm-hmm. uh, Rogers was a little Rogers bit over four five. Yeah. Rogers ran slow in his testing. If you look at the tape and you look at the senior bowl and it, come on, he played at Clemson, right? Plenty of good competition that he played in his time at Clemson and he burned those guys. Right. Yeah. He burned the fast. He was the leading receiver at Clemson. uh, He did not get caught from behind very often. So he did. He had a he had a surprisingly slow pro day time, especially in this year of everybody runs four, three, four, two. I was a bit surprised by his pro day time, especially since it didn't seem that way on tape. So I wouldn't put a ton of stock in his pro day, but I would put a lot of stock in in the tape of Clemson against top competition. And there's plenty of that. Well, another Clemson receiver, Cornell Powell. And I, I went and watched some some Clemson tape because I actually, you know, you sent me a name that to watch for the Seahawks at cornerback, and that's Jason Pinnock out of Pitt. Mm-hmm. And so I picked the Clemson game, and it was interesting because Smart. he was matched up a lot against Cornell Powell primarily. Mm-hmm. And man, he he locked him up pretty good. And but it also I, I kind of like Powell for because the catches that Powell did make against Pinnock, it they were like these crazy uh, catches that you shouldn't even make. Powell is you hit on two of my two of my favorites for different reasons, but I love Powell. Like I legit love Powell. I'll be I'll be doing mock drafts and I'll see Powell at like whatever whatever site I'm on will have him at like 185 or 204 and i'm like well i'll just wait (laughs) right i'll wait for a wide receiver i'll pick something else because cornell powell's down there and i'm gonna go get him and he's just tremendously underrated him and josh palmer from tennessee are two guys that are really really good wide receivers again this class is so deep they're not being talked about in the top 10 uh they could very well come in and produce at that level and then pinnock is just he's a crazy athlete with length he's still figuring out technique but you see him recover and you're like, what? Again, he shouldn't have been able to get back to that ball and he gets back and breaks it up. And you're like, again, there's a lot of secondary coaches out there that are like, I can work with that. That is, he's got a tremendous athletic profile. He's a little skinny. He's got great length. And even with not great technique, he's still winning. Give me that guy. Yeah, it's one of the guys that, man, I wish we would have talked about him a little bit more when we did corners, but I'm glad we got to him here too. Yeah, uh, for sure. A couple other guys I wanted to hit on, probably more in uh, the range of, yeah, like Kate Johnson, uh, Marquez Stevenson out of Houston, Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. Either of those guys uh, are on your radar? Yeah, absolutely. Tylen Wallace is one of the first wide receivers I watched. Um, just watched some highlights tonight, getting ready for this, because again, I, it was months ago when I did my full workup on him. Uh, right before the senior bowl, actually. And I was like, okay, uh, you know, I should go back and sort of refresh my memory about Tylen Wallace. He's faster than I thought. Uh, he's really tough, runs great routes, good hands. He's the master of the contested catch. He is not at all afraid of contact and usually comes away with the ball. There's, if you throw a ball at him, it's not 50 50, it's more like 70 30 his. But if he breaks open, he's one of those guys that has, you know, we'll call it long speed, right? Might not be the quickest, might not be the fastest over 10 yards or 20. But if you let him open it up, he's running away from Oklahoma corners, uh, Baylor corners, uh, plenty of Texas corners, plenty of good athletes. Um, so I like Tylen Wallace a lot. Very solidly built as well. 
Well, and when you say contested catch guy and you talk about his build, too, it makes me think of David Moore, who left to go to Carolina here. And could they could they see him as, you know, fitting into that type of role for the Seahawks? Absolutely. And I'm I'm a David Moore stan. I I appreciate his game uh, a lot. Uh, a lot of people kind of were like, well, it's this guy and that guy. And then more like I was like, have you watched David Moore? <laughs> like he's really productive and he makes the most of his opportunities. I'll say this in all seriousness. Tylen Wallace would be a David Moore upgrade. And I like David Moore. Like Tylen Wallace is a talented guy. Marquez Stevenson, speedster out of Houston, not super consistent catching the ball, definitely on the smaller frame side. And everybody expected him to be blazing fast. Like that was the that was the thing. And he burned some people at the senior bowl. He definitely had some some reps where he got by some people. Went back, looked at his tape, didn't see that much speed on tape. And then he went to his pro day. Didn't run that fast. And I was like, well, that's kind of the death knell, buddy. You're going to, you're going to end up being, you know, somebody's going to pick you up for your special teams ability. And, and as a fourth or fifth wide receiver, it's a nice combo to have. But if you're that small and you don't run, you know, four, four, five or lower, you just dropped on a lot of boards right. because people will be like one or the other. You either got to be really quick if you're that small or, you know, you're going to drop. And I think Stevenson is a guy that kind of had a higher profile earlier in the process. Some guys, the more you watch them, the more you like them. Some guys, the more you watch them, the less you like them. And I think Stevenson fit in that second category for me. I was, was pretty high on him early in the process before I'd watched a lot of receivers. I think I've watched 28 now. The more I watched, the more I thought, and and the more I tried to rank them, which is a near impossible exercise this year. It's, it's, it's tough, especially at the bottom. Um, cause there's just so many different kinds. I kept, you know, his name would come up and I was like, is he better than Mark or is, you know, is Stevenson better than this guy? I was like, no. Well, he even going back of... to Jalen Darden, because I, I feel like that's a little bit of a criticism of him too, is that he has those quickness numbers, but then, you know, four, four, six for a guy who's 174, I, I think there is that expectation of he should be on the lower side of the four fours. Yeah, I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't lean too heavily in testing. I, I really use testing as a sort of uh, a knockout thing, right? If there's a certain threshold, you know, tackles. If you have less than 33-inch arms, there are basically no tackles in the NFL being successful with less than 33-inch arms. So I'm just going to say, hey, you could be the one, but I better be damn sure. I go back to uh, Ron Wolf in, in Green Bay, the GM there. And Mike Holmgren was a coach uh, in Green Bay before he was a coach in Seattle. And Mike Holmgren was all over this running back. Like he wanted this running back in the draft. And Ron Wolf was, was talking to him and he said, hold on. And it's back in the days of green bar printers, right? And Ron Wolf left and he came back with a piece of green bar paper and he said, all right, here's all the guys under five, nine that have ever made all pro. Yeah. Right. He gave him the list, Barry Sanders. <laughs> and he was like, Huh. So he's like, is this guy Barry Sanders? Yeah. Are you that sure? Holmgren was like, uh, I guess work done was never all pro, was he? Yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Or it might not have been all pros. Maybe, maybe Super Bowl and all pros. Well, it wasn't Super Bowl if it was Barry Sanders. Yeah. But, um, you know, he came back and said, look, again, if you're going to be outside the threshold, you better be damn sure it's like Hall of Fame level. And uh, so there's threshold testing. And I'll, I'll definitely throw folks out that um, really miss on numbers edge rushers who are over like seven three in the shuttle like there's nobody in the nfl that's successful at edge rusher with that number nobody 
So again, it's like, are you really sure? Are you that sure that he's that good? This guy you're talking about in the fourth or fifth round, uh, or is he going to get to the bigger, faster, stronger NFL and struggle because there, there are certain thresholds. So if somebody's terrible on their pro day, like all time bad, like top 10 or lowest 10% all time bad, or they're under one in the relative athletic score, I, I'm going to, I'm going to have a pause with that. I'm going to say, was he sick? Was he hurt? Did he have a terrible day? Or is this just a guy that, you know, did he slip didn't. running the three cone DK Metcalf? Yeah, and that happens, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and take that into account. But if if that's not the case, I'm gonna be really wary about spending a pick on that guy. Um, up high, down low, sure, roll the dice, see if you're wrong. But you know, third, fourth round, still a valuable pick, still a lot of good players on the board, and you're looking at a guy with a really low relative athletic score or a threshold score for his position that's just awful. You know, guy like cornerbacks that jump like 22 or 24 inches in the vertical jump. I don't care how tall you are. Like you've got guys that are jumping 46 at wide receiver. So you again, you better be like have the longest arms in the world. So yeah, 46 was that was that Rondale Moore that jumped? No, that high? it was uh, Immerter Bebe. Okay, Josh Immerter Bebe from Illinois. There's a picture that somebody again took from field level. So that it was a great photo down from you know field level looking at this guy sky you know four feet straight up like that it's huge that's nuts (laughs) that's that's just incredible like there's there's world-class high jumpers that don't have that kind of hops it's nuts was that the latest episode with uh danny kelly that you guys were talking about the the freak athletes uh ball yeah the ball of clay episode i I put together a list called the ball of clay list because and if again nfl teams are enamored with physical potential and we talked about it in the tackle class at the top of this podcast right and and then there's always guys that uh, again we talked about sort of elimination thresholds there's there's measurements that people want you're familiar with what the seahawks want right you're just talking about you know i want that four four or you want this 33 inch arm length or you're not taking a corner who's below this on a wingspan or whatever and if a guy blows that away like jason pinnock right jason pinnock from pitt the corner we were talking about his relative athletic score is like nine nine that puts him in the top like five percent of all corners since 1987 like he's an amazing athlete like he's crazy and you just sort of go, hey, he's fairly long. He's a tremendous athlete. Can we figure this out? And then you go to the tape, and he's not bad, right? <laughs> he's actually decent. And you're like, that was uh, Brett and I were watching him together. We were watching the um, Notre Dame Pitt game because we were watching the Notre Dame offensive line against the Pitt edge rushers who were both going in this draft. And then uh, Pitt has both safeties in this draft. And then Pinnock. And we'd kind of forgotten about Pinnock. We were watching all these other guys. and you know, a guy made a play on the goal line. We we're like, that guy looks pretty long. Like he's a little skinny. Who is that? So you pull up the roster and you're like, that's Jason Pinnock. <laughs> that's the guy we were talking about on balls of clay list. So balls of clay is just um, guys who are down the board. Again, if you're a, you know, if you're a nine, nine and you're, you're Jamar chase, right. You're, that's not a ball of clay. That's a finished product. He's going to come in, start day one, contribute. It's going to be amazing. You know, but if you're Jason Pinnock that nobody's talking about and you're going to go maybe as a sort of fringe sixth or seventh rounder just so somebody can take a chance or you're, you know, Dante Smith at tackle and you just happen to have all the gifts and you haven't quite figured it out yet. Somebody's going to take a chance on you. And there's there's guys like that at every position. So I put this list together. I actually just started with one position and then I was like, man, there's this guy and this guy and this guy. So I put the list together for the whole position. We ended up making an episode out of it. It was fun. 
Oh man, we've we're, we've gotten this far into it, EJ, and I know running back is one of your favorite positions to talk about, and we haven't hit it yet. That's all right. No, we can hit it. I I do. I save my running backs every year for the end. I'm just going through them now. Everybody's like, wait, how can you be this deep in the press? Look, I've seen all the running backs at this point. I've watched all the defenses, I've watched all the offenses. Like I've seen them, but I'm not concentrating on them. This is when I go back and just this is pure running back porn. You just watch the running backs and and I really enjoy it. It's the carrot on the stick at the end that gets me through all the tape work. So I've I've just started to dive in over the last, I think I started three days ago. Uh, and I'm watching a couple a night and I'll, I'll have them done by the draft. And it's, it's, it's fun for me. It's just, it's a coast. I like it. Well, with that idea of Shane Waldron coming in and being the offensive coordinator, I I'm curious you know, if, if you see some of these backs as, as a guy who, cause I know they're bringing back Chris Carson. We know the type of running back that Pete Carroll wants, but we, we don't, I guess we have a kind of idea what type of running back that the Rams have liked historically mm-hmm. because they haven't picked up a lot of small guys. So no. I, I'm curious, you know, the, it, where else can they go? We know Giovanni Bernard was on the Seahawks radar. Apparently he ends up going to sign with the Bucks. So maybe they could get a, a pass catching running back to go uh, to, to be complimentary with the group of players that they have. I don't really have a sense of if they're even going to take a back, but they generally do. Yeah, it feels like they probably refill the coffers here because, again, running back has been devalued in terms of draft capital. You can get good running backs late. You can get guys in the fourth round, in the fifth round, in the sixth round. Even, you know, last year we saw undrafted free agent in lead Jacksonville in rushing, James Robinson, right? He's had a tremendous rookie season. So there is running back talent later on. I imagine that the Hawks will grab one, like you said, because they like to have a stable. They, They fill it up. And they have a type. And if they're going to go for that big bruising guy, that Chris Carson type guy, guy like Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma is right, right down their alley, right? That is, that is their guy. I don't know if they've drafted a guy that big, but that's, I mean, almost 250 for those that don't know, 246, but great feet, great feet through the line. Not a lot of top end speed. And again, he ran, I think near four, six. And everybody was like, oh, and I was like, what do you mean? Oh, he looks exactly <laughs> like that on tape. Like if you thought that Ramondre was going to come out and run a 4-4, you weren't, yeah. you weren't watching the right thing. Well, like, and yeah, the Seahawks you, don't care about guys who are burners. They want dudes nope. who can run guys over. <laughs> and he is that. He has some patience. He has some good feet. He has power. He knows how to put his pads down. And again, running backs, running backs that can go 80 yards are great. But running backs very rarely go 80 yards. Maybe once a season. Maybe. It's not a once a game thing. It's not a once a month thing. Um, You know, running backs are going to make their money between five and 20 yards all the time. And if you get a couple of 30 yarders in there, great. Certainly helps the total, but you're going to be moving the sticks. If you could pick up 10, 15 yards on a carry, that's a nice carry, right? Seahawks fans know this. So everybody can't be Derrick Henry breaking off 80 yard runs, but also blowing dudes up. Yeah, exactly. That's it's a extremely rare combination. But Ramon Stevenson has a really nice uh, combination of traits uh, and production. It's not just a traits guy. And he's going to be available later on because he doesn't have burning speed and not everybody wants a 246 pound running back. So he'll be there. Um, another guy that's way down the board, but uh, would be so much fun in the Seattle system is Trey Regis out of Louisiana. This is their power guy, right? Elijah Mitchell made some made some headlines. Uh, he ran a fourth low four three, and Elijah Mitchell is fast. He's more like 
Giovanni Bernard. He's a good pass catcher guy. You want to get out to the edge. He does run between the tackles, but if you're running between the tackles of Louisiana, you're looking at Trey Regis and he is ridiculously fun to watch because not a fast guy, but he will pull people with him. He will end up getting 15 yards when you thought he was going to get five with three guys draped on him. He just keeps twisting and turning and driving the legs. A lot of fun was super productive down at Louisiana. So Trey Regis, again, going to be available super late. I don't think it'd be a UDFA. He might, but we're talking sixth, seventh round for him. And then a guy you and I talked about before the show um, that kind of reminds me of a guy in the LA backfield now that we talk about it from a physical profile standpoint is Chris Evans of Michigan. Now, I'm not a huge Chris Evans fan, but he had a tremendous pro day. His RS number is really good. It's up in the nines. You know, I don't think as a running back, he's the most skilled, but look, he ran at Michigan. He understands power and gap concepts, and he's a tremendous athlete, well-built. And, you know, could be a guy that could come in. And again, if you if you get him the one cut, right, you make him the hole, he's got the speed uh, and the power to take it. And he's not going to get drafted super high. I've seen him at best in the middle rounds in the, in like the fourth. Uh, but I really think he's going to be more like a fifth or sixth round guy. So just a just a name to keep in mind that hasn't had the buzz I don't really think kind of puts the total package together, but Seahawks don't really go for the total package. Chris Carson wasn't the total package. Well, it's and when we were talking about Chris Evans, I, I was trying to think because it, it just it hit me in just a weird way. And then I got to thinking Chris Evans is the name of the actor who played Captain America. He's also a, a notable Patriots fan. And then I remembered exactly why I don't want anybody named Chris Evans on my team. <laughs> Well, I've got one more for you, and this this is outside the norm, but um, he's got a lot of power. He's got some breakaway speed, and he's he may go undrafted. And his name is Ja Main Martin, and it's J A H, and then Main like the state uh, Martin. And he played at North Carolina Ante, same school as uh, uh, the human joystick that plays for Chicago, uh, whose name is escaping me, and that's crazy. Tariq Cohen, thank you. Wow. <laughs> It's late in the draft season, way too many names kicking around in my head. But, uh, you know, John May Martin is a guy that uh, one of my uh, followers on Twitter said, don't forget about when you get to the running back, don't forget about John May Martin. And I was like, John May Martin. Okay, I'll put him on the list. And he was just one of those notes I had at the bottom of my list. I watched him the other night like, yeah, that dude would be really cool in the Seahawks system. He's a lot of fun. Oh, well, maybe. Yeah, see, and I feel like these guys. I mean, the fact that they got Chris Carson around the seventh round that, you know, maybe you can find somebody that you can hit on in the sixth, seventh round. And there's a local guy, Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State, bigger guy, plays with power, not a, a super slashy cutter. He's a guy that runs more. Uh, Matt Waldman says curvilinear movement, right? He <laughs> runs more in circles uh -huh. than he does in sharp sort of break cuts. But big guy, and he gets it done with that style, and he's a, he's going to be available late. I actually like his game. I could see them picking him up again real late and just plugging him in and seeing if he fits that style. Well, definitely some guys to watch. And EJ, I know giving people something to watch, especially come draft day, you know, Seahawks fans, you're not going to be watching for the Seahawks, but there's going to be other draft stuff to watch. And I know you guys are going to be live streaming some bootleg football. Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing a sort of kickoff party the night before. We're going to do a couple hour live stream just so everybody can blow off steam. And then we're going to do three days of draft live stream. So we will be live about an hour before the first round and we will go till it's over. 
same thing the second day, probably maybe half hour before the you know day two starts. We will go until it's over. And then we will be there all the way through the last pick on day three. We might start right about the same time the draft starts. We get pretty tired by then, but um, it's fun. It'll be all the all the guys, names like this, and we'll be talking about them all day long. Really is kind of the Super Bowl. And then we just fold into our little cubbies and take a long winter's nap in the springtime, I guess. Well, watching you, watching Brett Coleman, this, this is where I'm going to be tuned into on draft day. Where do I need to go? Where do the people need to go to check it out? Absolutely. So head to YouTube and just search for bootleg football. The live streams, all the live streams will be there. They'll also be housed there after they're done. If you are, uh, I don't know, doing something else with your day besides watching uh, day three of the NFL draft. But no, we will be there. You can go to YouTube. You can live in uh, log in live. Check it out. Um, submit questions and comments. We'll get to as many as we can. We really enjoy all the interaction. And this year is uh, it's I'm a little scared. It's <laughs> Not scared like I don't want to do it, but um, we, we've gotten some indications of how much interest there is out there, and it, it's going to be a blast. Eyeballs are going to be on you. He's EJ Snyder, co-creator of Bootleg Football, senior draft analyst at Windy City Gridiron, and of course you can listen to him on Bears Over Beers. EJ, always appreciate you coming on. Hey, Brandon, thanks so much. Always a blast. Really enjoy it. Stay tuned. We are going to be talking this weekend. Clinton Bonner and I doing three in, three out. We're going to be talking about the new rules in the NFL. So check in on that. Follow us on Locker Room, lockerroom.app. I am at Seahawkra there. And until then, go Hawks.